Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman. You can find me on Twitter at Kane Pittman and find my work over at ESPN. And joining me, as he does every single Sunday now, my co-host from the Bucks Radio Network, Justin Garcia. And Justin, it's the 21st of December. And you know what that means? It means absolutely jack shit. Because Giannis already signed the extension, but it's not lost on me recording this podcast today that we could have been talking about vastly different things than we're going to here today. And I'm so thankful that we don't have to go down that path. Wow, I didn't even think of that. I mean, I, I knew, <laughs> uh, well, in context of the Bucks, like, yeah, uh, because what, within the last day, Rudy Gobert signed his extension. So that was obviously front and center everywhere with, oh, he's got a day to uh, sign the Supermax and he's got a day to sign that extension. Uh, but I didn't even think of that in, in context of the Bucks. When you said, you know what that means, I was like, what? Uh, it's, we're a day away from winter officially beginning? Where are we going here? Certainly in the weeks leading up to that, so the amount of times I mentioned the words December 21st is absolutely obscene. And the fact that it's all done now uh, means that today we're going to talk about some preseason uh, I guess takeaways that we had, I'm always someone that's a little bit cautious about taking anything from preseason, but there was some interesting stuff, so we will discuss that. But of course, uh, while we're speaking about Giannis, he did not play in the final preseason game. The Bucks went down to the Pelicans. I'm not going to recap too much from that game. Uh, they did come back from a big deficit. Chris Milton was fantastic. He had 29 points. I thought Drew Holiday really started to look comfortable within the offense, and it's kind of interesting to note whether... The, the added aggression that we saw was just a byproduct of Giannis not being out on the floor because we know when all the stars are on the court for the Bucks, it's going to take some time to adjust. I, I did want to start with just some roster updates uh, for the listeners, though, Justin, because the Bucks, we do know, did uh, waive uh, Nick Stauskas and Trevion Graham as well. That brings the roster to 16. So that's 14 on the main roster. And then the two two-way players. So uh, I know instantly there was a, a lot of people in my mentions and just on Twitter in general starting to talk about the fact that, well, who are the Bucks going to pick up? There's a roster spot there. And again, I, I know we have mentioned this before, but it's, it's honestly just very, very confusing. And we are fortunate enough that we've got the CBA expert, uh, Frank Madden, on the show that always fills us in. But basically, just to outline this uh, once again, is the Bucks are going to head into the season with 14 men on the roster. That is because they are hard caps. They cannot go over the hard cap, which uh, is, is at around 139. I don't have the numbers in front of me right there. But uh, they, are, they have just under a million dollars, around 800,000 uh, left up against the hard cap, which means that later on in the season when it comes to buyout, uh, time and we know the trade deadline is around March 25th, so it'll be somewhere around that mark. The Bucks will be able to add a player to the roster because of that prorated salary will fit in under the hard cap. So uh, they will be able to add someone later on in the season. 
Of course, they could make some trades. But to me, I don't really see this team making any trades in the near future because we already know that they're dealing with you know, some chemistry stuff and they're trying to work some players into the rotation. So it just wouldn't really make sense to me that they're going to make a trade early in the season. And particularly when you look at the guys that are tradable. I mean, who are you moving? Uh, maybe DJ Wilson. Maybe Dante DiVincenzo. We've spoke about that. The trade assets aren't necessarily there, and I don't think they're trading any of the core players. So as it stands, they're going to head into the season with, with 14 players on the roster. The, uh, to get back to what you, you started with, too, the, the, the apron, so the hard cap the Bucks are up against is 138.9, yep. and they're just over 138. So hmm. the amount of money they have left, um, isn't even enough for you know the only viable option would have been a basically what we're seeing with Jordan Wara and Sam Merrill who in previous years would have probably been their two two-way players but the Bucks needed to fill out the roster with that salary that was cheaper less than 900,000 they don't even have enough money to do that with a third so that's you know why we say they're gonna they're going to be stuck at 14 players going into the buyout market and the trade thing I think you and I talked about before too where I think I'm with you where I'm a little hesitant to pull too much out of the preseason but the one uh, I guess suspicion I had going into the preseason when everybody pointed to DJ Wilson and said well you know look at DJ's salary of uh, just under five million if we trade him That'll give us, you know, roughly five plus million dollars that we could just move DJ, bring back, you know, two players or clear up some money that we can sign somebody as well and bring somebody back in in a deal. And that's where we'll make the money to do that. My hesitation was, you know, look at the front court. I mean, unless you're bringing back a bona fide guy that you feel confident you can plug and play in the front court, you can't afford to even do that with DJ. And we saw DJ get some meaningful minutes in those three preseason games. And I think that trend is going to continue in the regular season. So this roster is what it's going to be until at least mid to late March. And and then, you know, even then I haven't really started looking through who's on an expiring contract and and a bad team and who could be a buyout candidate. But um, it it just, you know, it, it feels like it might not necessarily be what we've seen in prior years on that buyout market, just with some of the shifts that we've seen in contracts signed and the length of contracts that unless I'm, you know, missing a name here, I don't think there's going to be really this overflowing market where the bucks can just find another four or five that they can pluck there and get as the big buyout piece, similar to what you got in Marvin Williams last year. I think they're certainly going to do something, but getting the impact you got from Marvin Williams that might be tough to do that, you know, maybe it's just uh, phoning our old friend Ursan Ilyasova in March. <laughs> yeah, well, there has been a little bit of talk about Ursan, and I'm sure that he's probably going to play. He doesn't strike me as the type of guy that's not going to play at all. I think he might play over in Europe somewhere there, maybe back in Turkey. There was some sort of rumors circulating on the internet over the weekend. So we'll see what happens with Ursan. But it is funny because Frank has mentioned this a couple of times that just when you look at the roster, you kind of sit back and say, man, it would have been kind of nice if Marvel Williams decided uh, to play again this season because he would have fit on this roster. There's no doubt about that. So Marvel Williams is another guy. Maybe he decides in a few months' time he wants to play basketball again. I know that those aren't the two sexiest names out there, Ersan Uisova and Marvel Williams. But I, I do think when you look at the roster construction outside of a trade, that is the type of guy you would be looking for, a guy that you can sort of plug into the four 
Uh, five in a pinch if you wanted to go to small lineups. A bit versatile defensively, can do some different things. I think that's the guy they're going to be looking at. And it's funny when you think about the roster, you mentioned DJ Wilson. I mean, it's really a make-or-break season for him, not only in Milwaukee, but really for his NBA career because he is going to get the opportunity and that's kind of by virtue of necessity because I think we saw the other night in the game where Giannis didn't play against the Pelicans. You're like, okay, well, now we've got Brooke, DJ, and Bobby Portis. And that's really it. I know Jordan War is there, but again, even though we have you know some, some uh, I can say, tempered excitement about what he could possibly do at the NBA level, at the same time, he is a second-round pick. I mean, if you're a championship contender, you're not going into the season expecting your second-round pick to be a vital player in the rotation. So, yeah, certainly uh, they probably need another player. And it's funny. I, I don't know and I don't think they would want to go down the path of a traditional big-body backup center. I don't think they need that because we saw last year, even with Robin Lopez on the roster, he wasn't going to play. Now, Perhaps if you get a series with Philadelphia, that's what you would be looking at. But I still think if you put uh, the addition of Bobby Portis up against, you know, having Robin Lopez there last year, I still think you take Bobby Portis every day of the week. He can just do more. He's going to be able to provide some offense in their second unit lineups as well. So I'm not, I'm not terrified about where the Bucks rotation is in the front court, but there's no doubt it's thin. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that's being, uh, that's being very kind to say that it's thin. Yeah. And I mean, you know, we've seen a, a number of different looks throughout the preseason with Bobby Portis playing with Giannis, Bobby Portis playing with Brooke. We've seen Bobby Portis and DJ on the floor at the same time. We've seen the Bucks go small. And that's, you know, really the big talking point of the offseason prior to Giannis signing was what are some of the different looks that Bud is going to throw out there? Because if, if you're going to keep the coaching staff the same, if save for Eric Bledsoe, you're going to keep the nucleus of the team the same and you're just going to really make changes – on the edges there and and with your second unit, you're going to have to do some things differently with your philosophy, with the defensive schemes that they run at times. Uh, And and look, it's not to say you have to drastically overhaul your defensive system. If we've seen anything, the drop system that Bud runs, it guarantees you regular season success that you are going to be the best or one of the best defenses in the league in the regular season. You're going to take advantage of scheduling in that sense. It's when you get to the playoffs, what we have said over and over is okay. In the past, it's been plan a 99.5% of the time or 99% of the time, I guess, if we, if we want to give them the benefit of the doubt and then plan B 1% of the time, we need to move this year closer to and and you got to see it in the regular season to be ready for the postseason there's got to be a plan a a plan b a plan c and it can't be 95 percent of the time that we're using plan a again it goes back to what we said at the top where you don't want to take too much away from the preseason um but i'm somewhat encouraged i mean we haven't seen any drastic changes i wouldn't expect to see that in the preseason you're not going to see it a heavy volume of it in the regular season as well I just need to see it occasionally where, oh, did you notice the Bucks went to zone here? Did you notice the Bucks did this? Even if it's for a couple of minutes a game, I just need to see that it happens occasionally through the regular season so you know it's something they have in the tool bag. All right, let's talk about our friends over at Bet Online because I, I don't know if you saw this, Justin, but yesterday I was all in on the Packers bandwagon. I mean, we're, we're coming up to playoffs here. I was watching the game. My team, the Houston Texans, absolutely suck. The Packers are pretty good, and I find myself just by 
uh, going through my Twitter timeline every time the Packers play, I just end up watching the game. And they're, they're rolling along, so it's, it's fun. And if you are into betting, then there's never been a better time with football, with college bowl season right on our front doorstep here and the NFL playoffs drawing near as well. There is only one place that has you covered and one place we trust, betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use that promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, for your 50% welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. And now I'm going to talk also about 1010 because this episode is brought to you by 1010. You may have read about this in New York Times or Forbes, but we're excited to tell you about it. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful commitment ring launching exclusively on January 18th at BlueNile.com. And when they're gone, they're gone. We all know that the diamond engagement ring is iconic. It's a timeless expression of the deepest commitment between two people. And with 1010, it's been beautifully re-envisioned in the hands of 10 modern designers working exclusively with sustainably sourced diamonds. If you're making 2021 plans, looking for a unique and meaningful way to celebrate Valentine's Day, you're definitely going to want to check this out. Again, this exciting limited edition collection of diamond engagement rings launches on January 18, and you can preview it exclusively at bluenile.com. Betting on the NBA doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert, expert that is lee sterling get daily picks and quick hitting advice to make the smartest possible wages subscribe to the locked on bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get your podcasts and justin i wanted to continue going down the path of preseason takeaways and uh you know i mean we both mentioned that we're not uh we're not jumping off any bridges based on what we saw from the coaching or the, the the play of the team in the preseason, despite the fact that any criticisms I think are, are all valid, but I'm just not personally someone that's going to get too worked up about it. But I did want to mention a, uh, a tweet that we saw from a friend, Bucks Film Room. He tweeted out uh, this. He said, not a great sign from a shooting perspective. Here's how some notable Bucks finished in preseason behind the, behind the arc. And some of the numbers, Dante DiVincenzo, 23%, Brooke Lopez, 25%, uh, Giannis, 25%, Middleton, 25%, uh, Wilson, 33%, Pat Connaughton, 16%. It was pretty ugly out there for Pat. Uh, I, I'm just not really buying that it's not a great sign. I don't really care. It was three games. I mean, you're going to go through stretches over the course of the season that you do shoot like this. I think there's enough good shooters within that group that those percentages aren't going to hold. But I did want to talk about Brooke Lopez a little bit. Because the fact that he shot 25%, maybe that's a little bit concerning because we know last year he ended up getting his three-point percentage just above 30% by virtue of a pretty strong bubble performance from him where he shot the ball really well uh, down in Disney. But prior to that, he was below 30% all season long. And I think we're just hanging out here to see whether this is a trend and the new norm perhaps for Brook Lopez after three uh, three seasons of really around 35% shooting, 36% uh, 
uh, his first year with the Bucks, you would like to see him start to knock some of those shots down because it does change his effectiveness offensively if he's not, uh, you know, that average or slightly above average three-point shooter. That's what really transforms him into a dynamic player in the offense and that can space the floor and, and help out the, the whole function of the offense. Yeah, and, you know, it, especially if we're not going to see Brooke Lopez featured in the half-court offense. If, mm. you know, one of the things we talk about with the offense stalling is we saw it at times in that Raptor series when it was too late is, well, we're not saying run the offense through Brooke Lopez when you have Chris Middleton and Giannis and now Drew Holiday on the team, but uh, is that something you would toy with of, okay, we, I understand the value he provides standing behind the three-point line, but at times, should we maybe look into Brooke Lopez going back to the post and playing there? So, I mean, if both of those options are gone, then that's certainly troubling where you still get the defensive impact from Brooke. But if the offense starts to diminish, then you may need to reevaluate things in a year. Um, you know, you mentioned how good he was in the bubble. I, he was over 40% in <laughs> Orlando when he was uh, – at least in those uh, seeding games, he was shooting really well. And I do know, and it felt like towards the end, and as I pull up his page, so it does match the eye test, I was going to say it felt like just before the shutdown, he was starting to heat up as well. And he shot 36% from three in just five games in March. But mm. it did feel like as we were ground to a halt, Brooke was starting to shoot a lot better, and then it, it, it carried over into the bubble. Um, you know, you don't need him to be a 36% shooter, which he basically has been throughout his career since making that adjustment. But uh, 29% that he was hovering around 28%, it felt like all of last year. You need 33%. I think that that's the baseline where if he can at least give you that, then you can work with the rest. So I think it's, you know, it's certainly something that I think a lot of people had mentioned when. Uh, you looked at the first two games and the amount of threes that they gave up to the Dallas Mavericks where, again, you thought, okay, it's it's kind of what we saw. You know, it, it stretches last year and especially in the bubble. And the weird thing about these preseason games was it did kind of feel like those seeding games in the bubble where they gave up a lot of threes. They didn't particularly play very well, and people started to panic and tell you they don't look very good. I mean, I can't tell you how many people told me I'm not encouraged. I'm glad that Giannis signed, but I'm not encouraged. They haven't looked good in these games. Like, guys, it's three preseason games. Like, what what are you pulling away from? Do you do the same thing in NFL preseason games, which, you know, I guess carry some more significance than the, than the NBA? I mean, the difference with the bubble was those were seeding games. So those were still regular season games, and you had eight games to basically hit the ground running and go into the playoffs. And I know I kind of downplayed some of their struggles, and in hindsight, I was wrong. But we're talking about preseason games here where it's still an adjustment for some of these guys that are having just arrived in Milwaukee and trying to figure out their life and where am I living, what's my new routine. Uh, I got to learn this new system. I got to learn these new teammates. So let's not even factor in that. But just getting up for preseason games – when in the case of the Bucs and in the case of basically everyone but Brent Forbes and Bobby Portis, you were just playing three months ago. I mean, that's obviously a deterrent there that you have to factor in. And also, I mean, the big difference is this isn't an audition for eight games and then the playoffs. You know, once this is done, then we have the regular season, and then that's just going to be an extension of this, where we've seen the last two years, 
we, we're going to put less of an emphasis, we think, on the regular season this year. So, uh, look, if you were discouraged by the three preseason games, uh, I think you know, you're probably listening to the wrong show. But I would also caution you, there's, gonna, there's probably going to be stretches like this during the regular season. I think they're going to beat up on the bad teams. I think they're still going to have one of the probably two best records in the Eastern Conference. But all the things we talked about at the top, I mean, this is basically, we hope, a 72-game stretch where you're going to play around with some new things and try some different stuff to have for the playoffs. So if you took too much away from the preseason, you might see some of it in the regular season as well. Yeah, as much as you're not going to be able to get me to be overly excited about anything that happens in the regular season you're really going to find it difficult to shake me too much on the negative side as well I'm just going to write this out and see what happens and I'm expecting that it's going to be a little bit of a slow start uh, which as Giannis himself mentioned the other day uh, similar to last year they started two and two and there was a little bit of stress a little bit of anxiety among Bucks fans during that point so maybe a lot maybe a lot maybe you're right and I think that's going to be the case even more so this year for all the factors that you mentioned, the, the shortened off season, the shortened training camp, the only three games of preseason, which by the way, after watching a few games of preseason, I'm glad it's over. Uh, three yeah, games it felt is, like three too many. Three too many. I agree with you. I just wanted to read a couple of Brooke Lopez numbers and I'm going to do that after I read a note from Bill Bar here, but I think it's really interesting to look at uh, where Brooke Lopez has been shooting those threes from. So I'm going to get to that in just a second. But I do want to talk about Built Bar because it is the best tasting protein bar in, in the world. And Justin, you know that. It's been fueling you through, uh, through Bucks games, through Bucks preseason games. There are 18 amazing flavors. What, what's, uh, what, are you, what are you getting stuck into? Is it you a peanut butter guy, a mint brownie guy? Uh, mint brownie is actually funny you bring that up. I had mint brownie and I had uh, cherry barcia. So those are the only two I've tried so far. Okay. Well, there's plenty more there. If you, uh, if you aren't into those two, you could go the German chocolate, the raspberry, the orange, toffee almond. I mean, it, the, the list goes on and on. Coconut, peanut butter brownie if you want to go down that path. But they are all covered in 100% chocolate and soft and easy to chew. They're great for the health-conscious guy, low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber. The deal we have, just go to builtbar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at builtbar.com. If you want to get basketball smart, it starts with listening to the Hollinger and Duncan podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. NBA analytics pioneer and front office insider John Hollinger joins Dunkdon podcast host Nate Duncan to bring you scouting reports, game breakdowns, and salary cap analysis. Subscribe to Hollinger and Duncan today, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, back to Brooke Lopez before we move on. Uh, it was just sort of, again, you mentioned the eye test earlier when you were looking at some of the numbers for Brooke. And I did the same thing before we started recording here. I, I was thinking about some stuff in my head and I thought, I'm going to check these numbers and just see if this uh, is appropriate. So what we saw last year with Brooke was a little bit of offensive diversity. His three-point attempts per game actually went down from 6.3 to 4.8. And his two-point field goal attempts went from 3.4 up to 5.1. And uh, as a result of that, he was also at the free throw line a little bit more. He's not a guy that gets there a lot these days, but went up from 1.6 to 2.2. But I think the really interesting thing about his three-point shooting 
was the fact that he was taking a lot from the corners in the bubble, which is not what we've seen in the past from Brook Lopez. So pre-bubble during the regular season, he had 54 attempts from the corner and 230 attempts from above the break. And we know he loves those trailer threes. He'll walk behind Giannis and they'll shovel the ball back to him and he'll let it fly from very, very deep. But he was not in the corners at all. So only 54 three-point attempts from the corner prior to the season shutdown. In the bubble, he attempted 47 corner threes and 46 above the break. So he's gone from uh, less than 25% of his threes coming uh, from the corners to over 50% of them coming from the corners in the bubble. And it was really fascinating. I remember talking to Bud about it a little bit. And he did say, yeah, we're just trying to get him going a little bit, put him in different spots, get him comfortable, get him seeing the ball go through the hoop. And it really worked for him. And he seemed to find the confidence then from other areas as well. In the preseason, he only took three corner threes and nine from above the break. So he's at around 33% of his attempts, or a quarter of his attempts, sorry, uh, coming from above the break there. So again, it's just changed a little bit. I'm just fascinated to see if they get him back in the corners because he was starting to look pretty comfortable and shooting the ball well. Yeah, and uh, I don't I don't know if you have this pulled up, but I remember, and it must have been you that I was talking about it with early on in the bubble when that really stood out. That man, it seems like Brooke is really you know hanging out in the corner a lot. And I want to say uh, they finished the you know the eight seeding games and then the ten playoff games that Brooke attempted the second most corner threes on the team behind George Hill in those eighteen games. I want to say, or at least. For the majority of the bubble, that was the case. So, uh, yeah, I mean, and I know it is certainly a way to, you know, continue to get him going and uh, and get those shots to fall. And it felt like they came early in games, too, that I think that kind of goes along with what Bud said of, let's get him going, let's see if we can get those shots to fall early, because as we've seen numerous times, Brooks as hot as they get, you know, he's as, I should say, streaky as they get, where once they start to fall, it seems like they fall in droves. And uh, when they're not falling, you can see him kind of shy away from it after a little bit, save for what the Indiana game when I think he missed eight threes. And still, uh, that's when we learned, okay, he's got the green light to keep going. So yeah, that's one of the things that I had uh, noted too, of I'm curious with Brooke, a couple of things this season, number one, to see what his paint touches are going to be like or, you know, the two-point shot attempts that he takes. Where are the three-pointers going to come from? Are we going to continue to see more of a diverse portfolio where he's taking corner threes as well? And, you know, we didn't really see it during these three preseason games, but what about in the pick and roll? And you think about how DJ Augustine played with Vooch and what Orlando was able to do to the Bucks and how lethal that game was. Of anybody on the roster, Brooke Lopez would seem like the ideal partner for DJ Augustine there. So that's another thing that I'm curious to see if that develops as the season goes on. Yeah, that's really interesting that you mentioned Vooch because I was actually just trying to picture in my head as you were talking about that. Can I ever remember Brooke Lopez shooting a mid-range jumper? I don't think so. I, I, like, I just can't physically picture that in my head, even seeing him take those. He always shoots either the super deep threes or... You know, he's got that little slow motion turnaround, fadeaway little uh, shot from in the paint. But I, I just can't remember him taking a mid-range. And, and it's, it's understandable. I mean, you don't want Brook Lopez and the opposition center in the paint or in the, in the space where Giannis is going to try and get downhill. So clearly, that's why it makes the most sense to have him above the break. But it did unlock him a little bit. And again, when we're talking about 
a front court rotation that's pretty thin. I think it would be interesting to see a Brook Lopez in some lineups where Giannis isn't on the floor and really make him the focal point of the offense. I think we saw it at times. He's still got it in him, even though he has been asked to play within himself a little bit in this Bucks offense. And yes, he's getting a little bit older, but uh, we'll see what he can produce offensively. I, I, I did mention at the top that I thought Drew Holiday was starting to look a little bit more comfortable, a little bit more assertive. He had a, I mean, if you're a Bucks fan, he had a really, really exciting moment where he sort of crossed over his opponent. I think, I believe it was Brandon Ingram a couple of times and then stepped back and knocked down a three. That's not something we've seen Eric Bledsoe be able to do in the past. So that was just one highlight, but it was exciting. And I asked him after the game about the fact that he only played 26 minutes and does he feel like he is ready to go for the season and he's able to play 30 plus minutes if need be? Because uh, I know we talk a lot about Bud's rotations and the fact that he doesn't overextend guys, particularly during the regular season. But I do think that we need to keep in mind heading into this season that there's going to be restraints put on the team from the medical staff because right across the world, we've seen in sports that are returning that soft tissue injuries are a major problem. It's just been the case with the uh, different routines, the different practices you're allowed to do, the treatment. It's all just different this year. So I think you want to be super careful. But Drew Holiday said, I feel great. I feel ready to go. Even talking to some of the guys, we kind of wanted to play a little bit more just because we all feel so great. Coaches and staff are doing such a great job of managing our bodies. We really just want to lay it out on the floor. Pretty good answer. He's a competitor. We know that. You know, the, one of the more interesting things or talking points I had heard in the last week since the Giannis signing was uh, from people that maybe aren't as close to the team and know where some of these decisions are coming from and, and stem from here. And, you know, the knock that everybody will bring up of, well, you know, Giannis averaged all these numbers in just 30 minutes. Imagine if he played 36 or 38. And in the playoffs, that number has to be well above where it was. And um, as soon as he signed, the amount of people saying, well, you got to assume that's going to change this year because – you know, in the past, they were worried of, you know, well, we got to be careful with him and we're saving him. Now you know he's there, so you might as well use him. Uh, and, and, I mean, look, I might buy into that a little more if if we didn't know where this is coming from. And, you know, not that it's just Bud and, and this is Bud's decision. This is the entire staff and everything that they put into it where this isn't just Bud saying, I don't like to play my guys more than 30 minutes, end of story, and that's it. I mean, there there are more layers to it. So, um, I, I don't really think him signing an extension in Milwaukee, and I know this wasn't the talking point. I just heard it a lot. I don't think that has any bearing on what his minutes are going to be this year and going forward. No, no, no. I would 100% agree with that. But it, it is honestly truly going to be interesting because I think it's worth noting you mentioned DJ Augustine, but uh, he has a calf strain. And from the way that Bud answered when he was asked about it prior to the Pelicans game, he said, listen, it's going to take a, a few days before he's back in practice. So, I mean, I'm kind of under the assumption now, well, we'll wait and see, but those types of injuries can hold you out for a week or two. And depending on how serious it was, I would not say as it currently stands, that DJ Augustine would be a lock to play in the season opener against Boston. In fact, it might be a little bit longer than that. So time will tell. We know once the season starts, they're going to be right into it. And as crazy as it is, the Bucs have got the Celtics in the season opener. And then on Christmas Day, which is only a few days away, which in itself is insane to think about, they're going to have the Warriors. So, you know, maybe DJ Augustine is going to miss the first couple of games of the season. We'll wait and see on an update there. Giannis, on the other hand, a less concern 
about uh, his back. And uh, I've got no doubt that he's going to play in that game against Boston. But when you're playing the Celtics and you've got Chris Middleton, it doesn't really matter because he looked excellent in that game against the Pelicans. His shot looked really nice. He had some really nice finishes on all three levels, really, across that game, which was a good sight to see. I just wanted to mention something, uh, Justin, before we try and wrap this thing up. Uh, I mentioned this listener the other day on the podcast, so back-to-back mentions for Justin Lackritz, but he did, uh, and again, hopefully I'm saying that correctly, but he did message me the other day, and, and I got a few of these messages over the last few weeks, actually. I think the goodwill from Bucks fans with Giannis signing has, has everyone in good spirits, but he messaged me and just said, oh, you know, uh, thanks for doing the show. You really enjoy it. Uh, enjoy the, the time and effort you put into it. And then he said, uh, I appreciate how open you are to listener engagement because it adds so much to the listening experience. And I just thought I should mention, uh, look, I've almost conceded on the mailbag and I I do feel like this is a a failure on my part as a host, but I hope those who listening understand that, listen, we've had a pretty crazy month. When I was going to do the mailbag originally, the Bucks didn't have Drew Holiday. The Bogdan Bogdanovich deal just wasn't even a thing. That wasn't even a controversy. And Giannis hadn't tended to sign the extension. So with all the news that's gone down, uh, it's just completely changed. And fortunately, I think we're really happy about this. But a lot of the questions were actually Giannis related and they've kind of become uh, irrelevant at this point because he signed and he's here in Milwaukee for the next five years. So uh, even if I didn't read out the questions individually, I always say this, when I get questions, it puts ideas in my mind and I've probably hit a lot of the talking points anyway, or I hope so. Uh, just unfortunately, I didn't get to those shout outs, but I, but I always do that. So I'm happy to, to read out the listeners when they're sending through the stuff. Justin, we know this. You know what's crazy is we started by you mentioning the 21st and, and me saying it didn't even dawn on me that <laughs> that was a big thing because of what happened last week. And um it was if memory serves the draft was on the 18th in november so this past friday the day of the pelicans game was one month since that bogdanovich (laughs) deal started to fall apart and essentially you know one month and change since the bucks acquired drew holiday and we thought bogdanovich and to think of everything that's happened in a span of 32 33 days where you have those two deals one of them falls apart uh, bringing in a handful of guys like, uh, you know, DJ Augustine and Bobby Portis and, and Tory Craig. You sign Giannis, by the way, to an extension. <laughs> you know, all of this has happened in 30 days. Well, yes. And, and I must actually admit, I, I'm almost gone beyond the, the uh, I guess, one-off mailbag episodes anyway. It's basically just a, a 24-7 mailbag. If someone sends me a message, I'll probably read it out uh, during the show. So absolutely keep them coming. Obviously, you can get me at Kane Pittman. You can get the show at Locked On Bucks as well. Uh, I guess as we do wrap this up, I never got the chance to speak to you since this happened, but where were you when the Giannis extension was signed? What were you doing? How did this uh, alter your, uh, the middle of your week? So I've told the story a couple of times, um, so people are probably bored to, to hear <laughs> it again, but um, I had an interview with Alex Lazary scheduled for that day, and it's something that he and I had had to reschedule a couple of times already and had been working on it for a couple of weeks where we were going to do a long-form interview that just talk about the offseason overall and uh, basically off-the-court stuff and planning that went into the season and basketball around a pandemic. So we had to reschedule a couple of times. The day that Giannis signed was when we were scheduled to do the interview. So I followed up with him in the morning, 
okay, we're still good to go for this, right? He said, yeah. Uh, 10 minutes or so before the announcement's made, I get a, a text from him saying, we're going to have to reschedule. We can do this tomorrow anytime you need, but we're going to have to push this to tomorrow. So I said, okay, no problem. And, um, you know, some time passed and I, I sent a text to another colleague saying, well, this interview just got postponed and joked, I guess Giannis is probably signing the extension, huh? Within seconds of that text, the tweet from Giannis in the Instagram post, the announcement comes out that Giannis has signed an extension with the Bucks, And then I got another message from Alex as well. Like, you know, now you understand why we had to push back. Obviously I can talk about this tomorrow when we do it, but uh, FYI, we had some big things going on. And it's funny too. Alex said um, when we did do that interview, he didn't know that the signing had happened. He knew they were close, and he knew there was a chance. His dad was just in town to uh, go to the preseason game and had left. And then uh, his dad messaged him and said, hey, I'm on my way back to Milwaukee that morning. So that's when he reached out and said, you know what? We should probably push this back. I don't know what's happening, but I know my dad is on my way here <laughs> or on his way here. So it could be a meeting. It could be a signing. Who knows? And uh, it said that, you know, they didn't know that they found out the same way we all did, that Giannis posted the Instagram post and his dad was still en route to uh, Wisconsin when that announcement went out. Yep. It's one of the craziest things about this whole situation that even Bud himself found out via his son sending him a tweet. Just ridiculous the way that this actually played out. But that's Giannis. Uh, That's why we love him. And I think in the end, everyone is just happy that it did get done. Uh, one last point, one little last piece of uh, housekeeping to take care of here. Uh, Anil Saw, who also sends us lots of questions for the mailbag in the past, has asked, along with a couple of other listeners, about the over and under episode. Now, listen, we are seriously running out of time here. Frank has been super busy. I've been trying to find the time to get it done with Frank, but tradition is tradition. There has to be an over and under episode. So I, I don't know, Justin, I, I'm not sure if I'm putting you on the spot here, but I might have to drag you in to do over and unders before opening night because uh, we, we can't let this tradition slide just because it's a weird season. You know, uh, I am actually well-versed as we just did something similar on my show a couple of days ago. So, uh, right. man, I could even rattle off the over-unders for teams in the East just off memory. So All right. if I'm called in from the bullpen, I, I mean, I'm more than capable to throw some fastballs. Well, just a little tease on last year's over and under episode. One of the lines I set was how many dragon benders would be on the Bucks roster come playoff time over or uh, below or over 0.5 dragon benders. And we we both took the under and we were both correct there. And I think this year's might be DJ Wilson. So we'll wait and see. I might throw that. I mean, this year's could be Ursan Ilyasova. Ursan Ilyasova. That could be the one. So we'll keep an eye on Ursan, but we will leave it here just a couple of days now before the season opener. So we're all starting to get pretty fired up about that. Uh, Keep up with the show. Obviously, we'll keep everyone updated with everything going on with the Milwaukee Bucks. Justin, always a pleasure on a Sunday to hang out with you. Anytime. It's the easiest way to pass the weekend. It's a good point. We will be back tomorrow, though. We thank everyone for listening. For Justin and myself, we'll catch you guys tomorrow.